and welcome to another installment of pod stallions i am brian and with me to my left is jason hello everybody and today's episode is something that i've always wanted someone to ask me about at parties but they never will and they would regret it if they did and that is uh u.s remakes of british television shows um we've all heard of the successful ones like All in the Family and Sanford and Son and The Office, to name a few. But there are many, many unsuccessful ones. And I thought it would be a fascinating discussion. And this was inspired by a, a YouTube channel that I found called 13 Week Theater that talked about a few of these. And I highly suggest you, you seek that channel out. It's addictive. But there is just such a plethora of interesting um, adaptations and and Jason and I are both what you would call Anglophiles. I grew up on British television, as did you. And I just think this is a really interesting um, discussion into what translates and what doesn't. Yes. And actually, Brian, when you first mentioned the, the topic to me, um, I, I thought, wow, what a perfect, perfect idea. But um, I should also... Uh, full disclosure here and uh, disclaimer, we are not going to cover the all the game shows and reality type things that come from Europe and the UK that get remade into US shows. We're going to talk about scripted stuff. Having said that, turns out I've worked on three different shows that either made their way over here as a US version or uh, made into pilots, didn't go anywhere. One was called you Are What You Eat, a reality show about uh, dieting and uh, people changing their lifestyles. Um, the other one was Hit Me Baby One More Time, which was a UK show with 80s acts that came on and did their hit and then came on later in each show and did a, a more current show or current song and then got judged by the studio audience. And um, I also did the US version of a show called Trigger Happy TV, which was a hidden camera show that a guy named Dom Jolly uh, created over there. Um, so I, I was a, a sort of a field director on that uh, when it first launched. So there you go. So Small World, I've worked on some some UK remakes over here. Yeah, we weren't going to actually touch the reality stuff because that seems to actually kind of translate very well for the most part. Um, but we were going to talk about, you know, I, like I'm more fascinated with the train wrecks, the things that don't, translate well and i wanted to talk to you a little bit about that too because like you know i think personally the, the all in the families and uh the office and the sanford and sons they succeeded because they found an american voice right um because they they went that extra mile and went okay we we need we can't just verbatim take the show we need to like with this like Sanford and Son is based on something called Steptoe and Son, which I've never seen, but it's about uh, junk dealers in England. Um, but, you know, the entire popularity of Sanford and Son would be Red Fox's routine. You know, it became a vehicle for Red Fox. And the same can be said about um, 
all in the family and that, you know, the, the cast sold it, you know, that the fact that they Americanized it so well. Um, well, that's know, because it. But uh, you, you're, you're, ta- you're t- the, the tropes that were there, you know, for the father and son relationship in the original show uh, yes. translated to America with the father son, the the uh, all in the family um, took the same. I mean, they obviously with with changes, with, but but the the core cast, the core cast of characters, kind of, um, and just moved it to America. Same prejudices, same you know similar atmosphere and attitudes of this character. Um, so as a format, yeah, it it you know it works. Uh, well, Three's Company and you know the, yeah. the Ropers and all that stuff. Um, yes, you, but you're right. I am more fascinated too with the ones that don't work, why they don't work. And also I think you and I would be maybe the person in the room that would go, let me, let me tell you what might be a problem here doing this show. You know, like we, we, you know what I mean? Like, and I, uh, you start because I bet you've got some at your fingertips and I know the first one I want to talk about, but you, you get, you get started. Uh, yeah. Um, it's so many to talk about. Um, I'm actually kind of just kind of, how do you say this? Uh, this um, overwhelmed with the concepts. Uh, the the one I wouldn't be talking about is one that you may not be delving on, which is uh, on the buses, which was a um, popular show here in Canada, and it's about uh, two bus drivers that are, you know, I think they're well into their fifties, but they were kind of, you know, portrayed as being in their thirties, and they're always pulling birds, as they say, <laughs> and um, it's it's a pretty British show. It's it's a it's a well done show. Hammer made I think three movies based on it as well that have nudity in them, which is just weird. But it like it was something that was uh, growing up. I loved it, and they made a pilot or they made a series of this. They decided to turn it into a vehicle for Dom DeLuise, who is not, you know, uh, any of those characters does not embrace the Dom DeLuise. Mm-hmm. But in the, the first thing they did, this show was about a bus driver and a conductor, and they were friends, and the bus driver lives with his mother and stuff. The, the immediate thing they did was they took away the buses, and Dom DeLuise is like the lost and found guy <laughs> in a bus station. And it's like, oh, you know, like, first of all, you've just kind of, like, removed the thing they do <laughs> from the show. Uh, I've never did he seen get, it. Did he get nude in it? Was there nudity in fact, oh. that's what it's famous for. That might be why it went off the air. But it was called Lots of Luck, and it, uh, Carl Reiner had something to do with it. Like, um, but I've never seen it. It only lasted. Um, I think it, it was a bomb. It did not do well. Mm-hmm. And what I, year? I, do you know the Do you know the year? I believe it is 1973. So oh, I've shit. Oh, yeah, so yeah, it's early. Oh, it's yeah, early. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. But um, I think On the Buses was a, already a hit at that time. Like, I think it ran from, like, 69 to 73. Yeah. So, and that's uh, one of those weird shows where you and I have these parallels in the stuff we were aware of, the things we were into, the things we gravitated towards, it, you know, in magazines and show, you know, conventions and things. And then every now and then it veers off, you know, like you getting Pertwee before Tom Baker and, you know, stuff like that. I don't ever recall on the buses uh, running in America. I mean, it would have been the kind of thing they would have they would have ran on um, public television, 
you know, for, um, you know, like, like the, the, the UK sitcoms and, and, uh, and, you know, Python and Faulty Towers and things like that, 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 you know, started to happen in the late seventies, but I don't recall ever seeing, I've seen a couple of episodes and I know about the movies, but I've never seen it. So it's, it's funny that you got that and it was such a big thing in Canada. Yeah, it was on global when I was a kid. Um, it, it was definitely a, um, a pretty it was a pretty well done show at the time um or sorry yeah it was a pretty popular show at the time but like um you guys don't have coronation street in the u.s do you we do not well okay. um they might have you know it might have been the thing that showed up on you know bbc america started to run they would they would run that but no it was never a thing growing up that i ever recalled yeah so that that's huge in canada like i can remember um <laughs> they're like they they bring the the Coronation Street people for signings here every year and stuff like that and I, I can honestly wow. remember being really hung over in a friend's basement and um, the father like it's like you know nine in the morning on Sunday and the father basically like turning on the lights turning on the television putting on his Coronation Street while I like laid there you know like you know you're crashing at your friend's house and it's like <laughs> and i was like your dad woke me up i'm like no nah, yeah you're, yeah you can't mess with this coronation street dude and did you guys get did you get uh eastenders too oh yeah is that something that oh yeah. you did yeah we in fact this is a funny story and this kind of goes off track but sort of doesn't is canada tried to create their own version of coronation street uh they called it riverdale and i can't remember when it aired uh, I'm going to say it was sometime in the 90s, mm. uh, but it was basically Riverdale is a little neighborhood not far from me here in Toronto. In fact, a, a friend of mine um, uh, uh, had uh, has a restaurant there, but oh. it was um, it was a CBC um, like television program. And it, it was about working class people in Toronto, which now mm. those houses are worth like two billion dollars. Um, but I just remember watching it once. I had Jane Eastwood in it. And Jane Eastwood, of course, is that woman who was on SCTV and she played the same character she did in a movie we were joking about in the SCTV episode. Oh, yeah. But yeah. She, they're, they're, she's supposed to live in this like poor townhouse. And I'm watching it in my poor townhouse. And she's got this um, like uh, this trope of, the you know, the old wooden TV is broken. So instead of throwing it out, you use it as a TV stand for the new TV. Sure. And I'm sitting on my couch eating ramen on watching it on a TV on top of a broken TV going, <laughs> hey. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That, that's neither here nor there. What, what's what's yours? Uh, well, what's your I, choice? you know, um, I don't know when I understood that. All in the Family and, you know, Three's Company and Sanderson were, were, were remakes of shows. I think I, I might have first understood in a, from a Beatle book, actually. No way. Well, because Wilfred Bramble is it plays Paul's grandfather in A Hard Day's Night in that, which is one of my top five movies of all time. Um, and when you whenever you you know read anything about A Hard Day's Night, you realize he was the old man in Steptoe and Son. So oh, by the time I see. You, by the time you get to Hard Day's Night coming out in 64, he's a household name. So he was a big name to put in that movie because you you had f these four guys that had never acted that, you know, were kind of taken, starting to take the country and then eventually the world by storm. But they 
they had to fill it up with these character guys. And so Bramble was a, was a big name. But in one of those books, I think it said, you know, remade as Sanford and Son in America or something. And I went, oh, OK, there you go. Um, I didn't really understand what any of this stuff was until I saw a commercial. I remember distinctly because I watched it when it aired, too. Uh, seeing a commercial for Amanda's Amanda's Place by the Sea or whatever. It was ah, called. yes. The the B Arthur vehicle. I think it was eighty two or eighty three, and it was it was a remake of Faulty Towers, and not it was the a only writer. Time. I think it was a writer's strike thing. I don't remember, but I'll I'll tell I'll tell you this. What here's and this is another thing that goes back to what works and what and what doesn't. Um, you know, faulty. So, I mean, some people would write about, I mean, faulty towers to me. And I, I mean, I think, you know, critically people can, can say this, but I mean, to, just for, for my, you know, Python is very unique and everybody knows how much I love all those guys. Faulty towers is a sitcom. Um, but it is probably the greatest sitcom ever written, certainly for my, for my money, because even though they only did 12 episodes, you can break it down you know, six of them are good. The other six, you know, are really good. Like four of those are incredible. And then two of those are the most precise, perfect sitcom writing ever in an episode, the way they, they mapped it all out. And there's a reason that it hit the nerve that it did in America. Um, and why it's, it's really in the UK is, is held up as the greatest, you know, sitcom ever, because it's just some of the, the episodes are just perfect. But the, you know, you've got that one location, and and I think I'd read somewhere that um, who were the guys that did um, Cheers? What was that? Not Brooks, not James L. Brooks. Who did who did Cheers? Who were the guys that created Cheers? Oh. Um, I seem to recall them them using Faulty Towers as a bit of a a blueprint for the bar because you you never you rarely leave the bar. Like it's all kind of there, and that's where most of the action sort of takes place on this one this one set. Um, Barney Miller too, but that that wasn't from Faulty Towers. But anyway. So I'm watching this. This commercial comes up and I remember the line. A guest says, um, I wanted a room with a view or something. I, I can't see that. You know, all I can see are trees. I wanted to see the this sea. And uh, Maud says, you could see it. It's right there between the land and the sky. And I just I remember being a kid going, hey, I've that's right that for that's from faulty towers, you know, yeah. but the, but the faulty towers was, you know, the woman says, I, I wanted a room with a view. And he says, well, you have a view. And she says, you call that a view. It's, you know, they're in the room, they're in her room. And she points out, says, that's not a view. It's just, it's nothing. Whatever. And he said, may I ask what you expected to see outside of a talkie hotel window, Krakatoa erupting or wildebeests, you know, gazelle, you know, sweeping across the, you know, um, and then she said, I expect to see a view or, or some, the sea or something. And he said, it's there between the land and the sky. So the joke builds. Whereas in the show, it just was, you know, I can't see the water. What's there between the land and the sky. So, so now you had a thing where you're taking the setting, you're changing the setting a bit. You're changing the gender of the or the, or the sex of the character or whatever. That's all fine. Um, but it was like it didn't know what it was doing. It was taking scripts that existed and it was sort of bastardizing them. Um, yeah, but but what I, I want to up... say it's a writer's strike thing where they could just do that. Uh, well, but, but I, I don't know if it, what the, the thing about it is, is like, I don't remember him. I don't remember seeing Cleese's name in the credits or anything like I never saw. I mean, I don't ever know, even if you're taking it and you're 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 taking you're, you're only taking 30, 35 percent and leaving it in. That's pretty similar. Don't you still have to give credit for that original 
script. I didn't quite, I didn't, I never understood it, but it, you know, I think it only lasted a handful of episodes, but the other thing it was famous for was, and it's, it's awful. Cause I rewatched a couple years ago on YouTube and it's awful. Um, Tony Rosado. Yeah. Tony Rosado. Yeah. Tony SCTV. Rosado was hired as the Manuel character. And yeah. that's whereas, good casting. Whereas Manuel, whereas Manuel had something to do in the original show. I mean, it's, you know, that cast is pretty spectacular. Polly's kind of the straight man who was, you know, Mrs. John Cleese at the time. And then, you know, then they got divorced when they did the second one. Um, Prunella Scales is the wife as Sybil is just a glorious creation. Cleese is what he is. And then Manuel is a big part of these. Rosado had nothing to do in this show. But also that's that's an instance where you'd go. It seems like you're only talking about the format. And that is a huge part of that show. But it's also John Cleese. Like like he is bouncing off the walls from opening of the credits to the end. He is, you know, 90 miles an hour every episode of Faulty Towers. And it's no matter where you put it or what you do with it. Because they remade it again. They remade, they remade it. Actually, Amanda's isn't the first. Did you know that? I didn't know that till just now. I don't know if I, I don't think I knew that. I know they did it again with John Larroquette, right? Was yeah, called it Pain. Yeah, which I've never seen, but apparently it's horrible. See, it's um, a play on words. His name is Pain, and he yeah. causes pain. See? Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, the first well, version is starred yeah. Harvey Corman and Betty White, and it was called Snavely. Um, <laughs> and it was a highway motel, uh, but it, it never... No, I don't know. The pilot probably aired in what they call garbage dump theater in the summer, but that just sounds like it just wouldn't be the right vehicle for Harvey Corman or Betty White. Um, There's an they interesting also miss- Cleese quote about this. I was just reading this while we were mm. you were talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most extraordinary remake was with B. Arthur. I remember at a party I met these chaps from Viacom who said they're working on a new Faulty Towers. My ears pricked up at the sound of cash registers and said, that's wonderful. Are you going to change anything? They said, well, we've changed one thing. We've written Basil out. And he said, that's absolutely true. They took Basil and Sybil's lines and gave them all to be Arthur. Yeah. Well, they, well, there and that and there right there you go. You don't know what makes this thing work. The reason part of part of the charm of it, he's not a likable character. You root for him no. in that show, but he's not a likable character. What he is is a snob. He is a class snob that wants to be, you know, the Plaza Hotel is never going to be. And as Cleese said once, you know, he he's a someone who opened a hotel um, uh, that, you know, li- likes running a hotel if it weren't for all the people. And so everything involving people is a is an inconvenience. Well, that was his vibe. Sybil was, you know, professional with what she did and then Polly, whatever. But but Basil is the one that's treating this person different than this person because of how they speak or, you know, whatever. In the remake, she's just there's no there's no rhythm to anything she's saying or doing. It's just they're just grabbing wild lines from different characters and having her say them. They also gave her she's she's a widow. So there's no there's no spouse to bounce off of like like Faulty had. And she's got a son and he's got a wife who is like a preppy, you know, airhead that uh, Maud hates. And then Rosado and then the revolving door of all the early 80s guest people that you could expect. But but I just remember as a kid going, this isn't right. They can't do that. Yeah. How do they get away with that? Because I thought it was a ripoff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. My brain didn't. My brain didn't. <laughs> yes. Go, this is sanctioned. 
<laughs> yeah. I thought it was, yeah. I made, so I made some calls. So I called the <laughs> studio. <laughs> I had my friend Mark call Fred Silverman on the phone. Uh, I've been on hold for four days. Yeah. I made some calls, wrote some letters, and apparently it worked because it only lasted like six weeks. It was off the yeah. air. So I didn't know Tony Rosato had died, actually. Didn't you say that he was he, kind of yeah, on all hard he, times? He um, he had been incarcerated for what was really mental illness. He did get released from that. Um, but yeah, he had he had some serious mental health issues that got him in trouble with the law, and that That's all got so sad. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I'll, t- I'll that, tell you this. I'll tell you this. I guarantee. I was one of maybe five, 12, 13, 12 year old kids in America that recognized Tony Rosado because of SCTV. Oh, yeah. That yeah. saw him in that and went, that's the guy that that's the guy in SCTV that showed up on SCTV. Mm-hmm. Um, I was it was a lonely kid. And he also lonely. did a disastrous half season with SNL. Uh, because uh, right. SNL, SNL in the 1980 season, they had that they fired the showrunner and they fired a bunch of the cast, and then they they brought in um, Catherine O'Hara, who lasted one day. Yep. And they offered John Candy a job, and John Candy said, "Nah, give it to Tony Rosato." It's and, funny you say that though, because I've just been dipping into. Do you remember the new show? Yes, I loved the new show. Thank you for remembering it. You know, and I'm like. I, re- I probably only saw maybe two of those. I mean, I don't remember I'm, the bits of it are coming back when I rewatch some of these. Uh, the Steve Martin one in, in particular. Uh, but man, talk about a show that uh, was so meta. Like what it was trying to do with these sketches. Oh, it's so it was good. So strange, yeah. you know, with like no laughter in the audience. And it was, it, there were just some weird, weird concepts. But what a bunch of people. That yeah, they got amazing, together. amazing talent. Oh my um, god! The writers that were on that thing too it was like, holy shit! You I, know? I can't, it, I can't believe that I can't get that, but I can get every episode of Fridays, which yeah, is garbage. You, yeah, um, and, and I think O'Donohue was on it too. wasn't Wasn't Michael O'Donohue part of it too? Yeah, it was like all of Lauren Michaels' um, connections were in that. Like you had Buck Henry, you had John Candy, you had Dave Thomas. You had I Catherine think Dave O'Hara. Thomas was kind of in i think he was like in charge of the show kind of and and oh yeah candy, and he was candy showed really up a few funny. times candy was in a lot of them and um yeah the new show was one of my favorite programs out there it just didn't last and it died and um it was sort of like a second breath for sctv yeah, yeah I, and, and the, the, it was a weird show and i and then all of a sudden it. you're like there's kevin klein what the hell is Kevin Klein doing there? And there's Carrie yeah. Fisher shows up and then Gilda Radner doesn't shows up and doesn't say a word. And all of a sudden Paul Simon walks into a room and has one line. And it was, it was just a strange, it's the kind of thing yeah. that does, you'd think would get like a DVD set or something, you know, like a, um, uh, you know, like a little making of doc or something on it. Yeah. But it's, um, but a lot of them are up on, on YouTube. But anyway, I was going to mention that to you, but now you brought up the, it's in that weird wilderness of like 83, 84, yeah. When Lauren was away from SNL and yeah, all that other stuff was going on. But no, I'm um, so anyway, glad you okay. remembered it because no one else yeah. does. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember it. Sure. So I'm going to go into one that actually worked but got canceled. And that okay. was a show called uh, Open All Night, which was based on. A I remember program. Open All Night with George Fuck Zunza it. and uh, and that Susan Terrell. Yeah, yeah, I remember that Sam show. Whipple. I watched every. 
I watched every episode of that show. Me too. Oh, and I? some brave soul has put a half a dozen of them on YouTube. Um, and yeah, this is a story of Gordon Feaster. That is based. Years later, I was watching PBS and I'm watching this Ronnie Barker show called Open All Hours. Yep. And midway through it, I went, hey, this is open all night. Like it's a British, <laughs> you know, but what, what, Jay Tar- what Jay Tarsus did was he Americanized it well. And he hired George Zunda, who is not a comedian. He was he great. In it. He was yeah. Everybody was great in it. Susan yeah, Terrell. Susan Terrell. You had yeah. Letterman appearing in every episode as a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just worked. Why that got canceled, I I don't know. I think it might I have been a that, time slot I, thing. I watched that every week because I it was I thought so the, good. The scrawny guy that played this her son. Sam Whipple, yeah. He he just kind of was. He had this knack of just walking, you know, on on screen and just stealing whatever scene he was in because he just the delivery he had was so yeah. good and he never I, really I, he never really kind of like went anywhere um sadly he's dead and is um, he dead yeah he died years ago um you know he, what you know what i think of when i think of him the other thing i think of and you're if you you're probably going to know this and then we need to get off the phone yeah, it's, too, it's too weird he showed up in the movie the doors the olive oh Stone no movie. He showed okay, up no. in the Oliver Stone movie, The Doors. You remember the famous story about The Doors, where they're going to do a show for ABC, whatever it was. And, it, you know, the line is, girl, we couldn't get much. Oh, higher. yeah, 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 girl. And yeah, he's, yeah. The, he's the exec that goes, can you just change that word? It'd be like, girl, it can't get no better. And he's like, yeah, yeah, OK, man, we'll do that. Sure. And then they do it. And he looks down the lens and says, we couldn't get much higher. And everybody, you know poops their pants he's the he's the exec and i remember when i saw the movie going hey that's the guy from open all night yeah. <laughs> he's Once also again, he also kid. he also played uh jughead in that return to riverdale tv movie oh my god he, with uh with with um who was the other one gary uh oh gary kroger is Re- reggie yeah <laughs> gary kroger. i gary think it's probably his his biggest most iconic thing he ever did which is sad is he's the phone repairman in a seinfeld where elaine says you know i could kill you and nobody would notice and he said yeah i could do the same to you oh yeah oh that's right oh that's right yeah yeah he he didn't pop up a lot and um yeah the british version of that is much more um the dynamic between the two of them the father and the stepson whereas um you know the 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 American version is is much more layered in the the whole cast. Like it's a sitcom with Susan Terrell in it. You know, like she was not terribly well known for sitcoms. She's an interesting no. cat. Um, she she and, was, she is she's she, yeah. Did she, is she still she's alive? dead too. She yeah, died. Yeah, because she got she got ill. I think she lost a leg, didn't she, or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she was something. And but yeah, not the person you you'd cast mm-hmm. in that. Uh, in a sitcom necessarily susan it was, it was a and you know they added characters of the cops and that sort of thing but yeah i love open all night um and i yeah i even like open all hours but yeah that that should have gotten that's one of the ones that like it was it worked it just didn't find an audience you know like, yeah yeah it, it was actually well done but let's talk about one that didn't work and that would be um i don't know if you've ever seen this the IT crowd or the IT crowd got a pilot. I never um, saw I never saw the pilot. I know Ayoade's in it. Yeah, I, well, that's the thing. They always do that. They always bring over one cast member. 
And we're yeah. going to see that trend going out forward uh, when we start talking about some other things. <laughs> the, the first thing they lose is um, Joel McHale as Roy, which is a typical trope in the American versions. And that's the thing, you know, British TV shows, like you look at the British soap operas, they're about people that are working class and American soap operas are about pretty rich people. Right. And, you know, that that sort of kind of tells you that there's a bit of a cultural divide there, you know. Yeah. And, you know, to cast Joel McHale as Roy doesn't kind of work for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. And, and then, of course, the other problem was that the woman playing Jen didn't really have the the comic timing of the uh, UK gen who's awesome. And, um, you know, then you have the other thing is that you're not going to get a Matt Berry to play Douglas, right. you know, you, you, you know, like it's it, that, that, that to me, by the way, I, I wanted to know yours and I'll ask you at the end of the episode. I think the most un us remakeable TV show that I can think of from the UK would be, toast of london you know i don't think you could remake that as a u.s version without just taking the entire cast from toast of london well i think Um, you just i think you i think it's you know you're you're dealing with um once again a la you know something like faulty towers you the character or reginald parent too that's another great example yeah well we should we we talked about but but we were last time we mentioned it we were talking about how what a force of nature Leonard Rossiter is like when he's on screen hit the motor mouth and the, you know, just the rapid fire stuff and his, his movements and his, his, his manic, like that's really what the thing was. Yes. The, the writing is there and all that, but you're trying to get lightning to strike again with that. And yeah, Matt well, Berry, for, I for, love the, Matt. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Keep going. No, I was gonna say, I love Matt Berry to death. Um, you 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 don't you you go into a Matt Berry thing knowing he's in there not expecting something particularly different from Matt from Matt Berry's what he oh, does best. So yeah. if you were going to bring that over here, you you kind of go. Anything else would just be somebody trying to imitate this character. I was never into, and again, nothing against it. I just never got into the U.S. office. I saw bits and pieces of it, but I thought the smartest thing they did was make it a, a bendable kind of blueprint. And 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 because because Carell's character voice. Yeah, Carell's character was a different a different character than than Brent. He was he made you squirm, but it was like, well, they all kind of make you squirm. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, uh, I've seen The Office a million times. My wife just plays it in a constant loop. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, in fact, I think she could just fall asleep to the piano music. What they did was the first six episodes are pretty much on course with the Ricky Gervais Mm -hmm. and um, it's failing, you know, like even Carell kind of is made to look like Ricky Gervais. Mm -hmm. Uh, His hair slicked back. He's made Mm -hmm. to look like he's chubby. They did a big course correct in the second season Mm -hmm. and his, his hair is different. He's a little more empathetic. They found their own uh, voice and um, it really did make the series because like the first six episodes are a lot like the, the UK office. And then uh, they got renewed by a miracle, it seems. And then, yeah, it, they changed. And that's, that's an example of something, you know, here's another one that, that also, um, uh, but yes, I I would agree with the toast to London thing. That's that, that is kind of a, um, 
you know, that's one of those things that the, the, the light bulb at the center of it is this is this character um, that I think anything you end up doing, if you don't have it that big and broad and ridiculous, um, not going to work. But then it just looks like you're just you're just copying. You're just, you know, doing the exact copy of the thing that was. And the, the, the weird thing about some of this stuff is it's become and this is this is a this is a little sidebar you know editorial type thing here is that um there's so much of it now it is so prevalent now there are so many things that come up that uh you know the last one i could think of was uh was on amazon was um what was the show that just ended up on amazon with john cusack it's about a comic book that's like an underground comic that people are talking about. The oh yeah, they remade that. You're right. Um, not Eureka, but uh, what's it called? Shit. Um, the UK version of that, the first season of that UK show is fantastic. It is fantastic, and that's also streaming up either on BritBox or Amazon uh, Prime, I think, in America. But now I'm trying. I'm going to get the name of it. It's going to drive me nuts. Now the U the US version. Um, is good and frankly, you know, it's it's pretty good. And frankly, they had to put a disclaimer in front of it because the subject matter was so uh, spot on with what was what was happening in you know in in, in 2020 in the world that you could be people could be mistaken for thinking it was like some kind of a documentary kind of thing. But it still never reached the unsettling squeamish strangeness of the original show. And so I just kind of, there are times you just go like, everything is, there's no, there's no original ideas. Everything is, is coming from a lot of things are coming, you know, beyond the, the reality type stuff. A lot of formats are just coming to America and Americanizing the thing. And I think the, the notion is the, the other notion that's happening in America, especially too, is, is UK actors. And while I have nothing against them, um, there was the the thinking behind it in casting is uh, who's the guy that's in Walking Dead the the sheriff that was in Walking Dead Andrew uh, Lincoln or whatever mm-hmm. the thinking you know the 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 argument would be well how do you know he can carry a show and then the counter argument would be well because he's been on three or four shows in the UK so we know he can okay well can he do an American accent yeah pretty good let's roll the dice he'll so he'll be unknown which is great for us because we got a brand new star in America and. We know he can carry a series because he's done it several times in, in the UK. And so you, there's this huge influx of British leading actors doing American parts. You saw it in Hannibal. That What's his name? Who played the the detective or the whatever in, in Hannibal. Um, you know, I, you could go down a list. It's 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 ridiculous. So it's this it's this kind of cliff notes of what might work because because everyone's afraid to come up with an original concept and push the boat out they go well this thing ran for you know and the difference of course and it's and and now america starts to is starting to adopt this notion you'll notice um doing less episodes yes the six eight ten episode seasons um of of shows which is the standard for the uk forever um they're starting to kind of get kind of get the gist but um sometimes it's uh, i'll give you this is a great example to me that i I wasn't against on principle, but I knew from the from the get go it wasn't going to work. Was a show called Life on Mars. Oh when, yeah. When Life on Mars hit, uh, when it originally hit in the UK, this was this was prior to the Eccleston Doctor Who coming back. 
I believe. And it sort of was, oh, yeah. was kind of... No, actually, did, yeah, the original, yeah, you're right, the original British version. The yeah. original British one was prior to the Eccleston Doctor Who. And when this thing hit, man, I was obsessed with this show because it was just, just an absolutely brilliant concept. Uh, an anal retentive detective does everything by the book and, you know, forensic evidence and da 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 gets into an accident, wakes up in 1973 Manchester, which, you know, the world is completely gray and drab, completely and utterly politically incorrect, completely and utterly corrupt. And it's like the old West. And he doesn't know how he got there, why he's there. The audience doesn't know. And then, and then beyond all that, it becomes a procedural. So you have this detective that, that is still aware of a world outside of 19 and he's and the whole time he's going you're not real anyway so yeah okay let's go ahead and solve this crime let's see what happened but, but then it, and, and as the show progresses he starts locking horns with the the uh police captain played by philip glenister which is a typical you know throwback to the sweeney and stuff like you know throwing throwing suspects up against a wall and beating them to death and shit um and so you had this incredible concoction of talking about the politics of the time and race and sexism and the the musical score i mean the musical score in the show is is incredible the the way it was shot the theme tune etc but what it had was being on uk television it could go places that i knew a network show could not go it could go there with language it could go there with with race and all the things mentioned and wouldn't have to apologize the second you try to bring a show like that to american television and go back and do a period thing, your 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 hands are tied immediately. You're not going to have the grit that this thing no, had. Where you've that got... was the one thing it really didn't have the balls. I did really like it, but mm-hmm. I do agree it was with fine. you that it it should have been like um, HBO or somebody doing it. Because the first thing that really drove me nuts about it was the lack of smoking. Yep. And uh, smoking, the second thing, drinking, everything. Yeah. The, the lack of um, you needed racism in there. You needed, you know, you needed all the things that would be there. And unfortunately, you know, it was on ABC and it was neutered. Great cast. Good cast. Uh, yeah. Good, good cast. premise. Uh, yep. And, you know, at least I know a lot of people don't like the ending of it, but at least it decided, all right, we're done with this show and we're going to end it. Yeah, and I give um, him, I give him credit for that, but that but that so let's go back to the original. Did you ever continue with Ashes to Ashes? Yeah, I didn't get into it as much. Uh, well, when you get to the end of Ashes to Ashes, should you ever go back to it? Um, I think it's got one of the most satisfying wrap-ups of a five-season show. You know, two with Life on Mars and three with Ashes to Ashes, and she's terrific. Keely Hawes and Glenister. I'd watch Philip Glenister just you know, read the phone book. He's so good in everything he does. Um, but it's, it's, it's a crazy arc. It's a really interesting thing that they kept going through five seasons of a show and two different characters. And you do get a bit of a payoff toward the end, that final season. And it's really interesting if you ever, I'm just, if you ever want to revisit it, but, um, you know, kudos to, to Matthew Graham and, uh, what's his name who created that, that, those shows. Cause they're, they're great. Graham they're ended great. up working on New Who, I think, Matthew Graham. You know what the thing is? They're finite. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think that they deserve 10 seasons, you know? Yeah, and that was John Sim. That was John Sim's kind of attitude was let's 
let's be done with it. Let's wrap him up. Let's let's wrap his uh, you know Sam Tyler's. They wanted to go. They wanted to keep going. They had a hit show on their hands, you know. And it was it was a it was a fantasy type show, and it was working, and it was the 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 um, the reviews were outstanding, and the ratings were great. And John Sim said, "Let's let's make it something special. Let's just let's you know we're done. Let's wrap this up with him." And they did it really, really, really well. It's it's a it's uh I just remember that that ending of season two just going, oh man, it was just a punch, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, but then they continue it with a whole new show, and it's like God bless him, you know. But yeah, but like on paper, you go, you do this the right way in America, this will work. You can put this in Brooklyn. You know, the same thing, you know, same kind of. But if you do it on a network, you're, it's just you're going to miss the whole point of what this thing was. Exactly. Trying to do. Exactly. And, now, the, the original I mean? pilot, actually, uh, they reshot the entire show. Uh, the original pilot was set in L.A. and it didn't have Harvey Keitel. It had Kalmini and um, they, they right. scrapped the whole thing uh, before they aired it and um, turned it into what they did where they shot it in New York, which was the wiser thing to do. And mm-hmm. they had Harvey Cattell and they had uh, uh, Christopher from the Sopranos. Yeah. Imperioli, right? Michael yeah. Yeah. Imperioli. Yeah. Michael yeah. Imperioli. It should have been um, a bigger hit than it was. Oh, and uh, the guy that was the lead, you know where he's from, right? No. I think he's, he's either from Ireland or the, yeah, Oh, I know he's I, Irish. Yeah. He's Irish. Yeah. He's Irish. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just saying another, another actor comes over here, taking my jobs. No, I'm kidding. He didn't take he didn't take my job. I wasn't up for life on Mars. I know it's hard to believe I never got an audition for that, but didn't happen. Didn't work out this time. No, but you uh, brought up the fall and rise of Reginald Perrin, and I wanted to elaborate on that. That is a brilliant television show um, about a man going through a midlife crisis, I guess. Um, pretty much, yeah. But it really is. Um, and this is the problem with a lot of remakes of British shows. First of all, the content is a little dodgy for American television. And the fact that the show's initial premise is he is trying to screw his secretary. But, he, yeah. you know, he also has a rich fantasy life. And um, it eventually, like, I, I can't, I haven't watched that show in 30 years. But, I mean, the, the starting of the show is a man walking into the sea to fake his own death. And he eventually does... I think he does bed down his superman or bed down his secretary, but doesn't do anything with her. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's about, it's about four or five episodes in, I think, cause I rewatched season one. I don't know how I found it. Maybe I had the DVD or something from Amoeba. Um, and I think it like four or five episodes in, it starts to grow and they, it's either in the middle of the day at his house or they, or they meet somewhere or something, but he doesn't go through with it, but yeah. it's out in the open. Yeah. But but by the end of it, I think he's running a commune. It's just gotten very strange. Yeah, he and, opens that store. Yeah. It just he opens a store that just sells crap. It's like it's isn't it called like Tat or something? And it's just it sort of it sort of predicted the you know disposable you know faddish item shops you know. Um, and it, and he had a hit. He, the store was a hit, right? Yeah. Isn't that the gist of it? Yeah, yeah. yeah the whole the the. It just keeps building and getting weirder, and um, yeah, I, I just. Uh, he, so he would just, you would you say that that's a show that that really the, a huge chunk of the of how that thing works is because of that lead? 
Yeah, it, it's it's all based on the lead. Um, he opens the store is called Grot. Grot, uh, that's it. Yeah. Grot. And you know, I think I think I think it did sort of get remade as Dream On in the concept alone, where you know, like he's constantly flashing to fantasies. Yeah. And uh, but the you know the, there was a there was an American remake called Reggie, and I remember this because I I watched it as a kid, and then. Years later, I watched Reginald Perrin on PBS, and I remember going, oh, I, I saw this as an American show. And, um, yeah, it, it's a Richard Mulligan vehicle, and it's awful. It's just terrible. You know, they've they've neutered the um, – they've neutered it. It's just him having daydreams they, all day. Did they sort of I, – I don't know if – I maybe remember seeing a commercial, but I don't know if I would have known it was – a remake of, of Reginald Perrin. Well, I had seen Reginald Perrin at the time, but I figured it out. You know, did they, did they sort of, do you know if they sort of recycled scripts like they did for, for no, I just remember they did a lot of fantasies and they were awful, you know, like I, I can just remember um, him picturing his boss and he's putting his boss like on a torture rack or something like that. And it was just like, it, it, it you could tell why it got canceled. It was, it was shit. It was bad. Um, you know, they just didn't translate well. They didn't do a good job. Um, you know, and this, this would be a good point though. This would be a good time to, to take a pause for a second and say, you know, we, we've had, we've, if we, <laughs> one of the recurring things we probably said in this show all these years is, um, we have, we have nostalgia for things and we have an affinity for a certain time frame, And, you know, uh, we don't love everything that came from, you know where we came from kind of like it's no, not, not like, everything was good no. not everything was good and when you start digging through some of these shows so for every wkrp in cincinnati you know there are you know dozens of reggies and uh, you know amanda's <laughs> a place by the sea you know or like you know the 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 bleacher bums of whatever you know like like these shows that only lasted like every now and then you go to youtube and they'll do a someone will post a video of like just the opening credits of all the new sitcoms or shows that hit in 1978 or something. Some of and, them are like five minutes long. You ever notice that? Like, oh the intros? good God. lord! But like, there's one. There, do you remember the one that Patrick McGowan did in like 77 or 78? And it's called like, I don't remember. It's called like Hannity or something. Like whatever the character's name is. The opening credits are him walking through a park with his sport jacket over his shoulder, rolling up his sleeves. And it says, you know, Hannity or whatever this name is. And then it and then there's these quick little clips of him in other scenes back to the park, quick little jumps of it back to the park. And every time they go back to the park, the name shows up on screen again. And it's Patrick McGowan just walking through a park and you go, I don't even know what this show's about. <laughs> yeah. is, is he a professor? Is he a you know, is he a detective? Like, who, who is he? But, yeah, they just they go on forever. But there's so many when you watch these things, you're like. I just watched the opening credits of like 20 shows. I only recognize four of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like like so much shit came and went that was so bad. Every now and then there's something that, that shows up briefly that, that's so good, you you know, like an open all night kind of thing. You want it to stick around. But so much of this stuff doesn't work. So, so th- you know, th- this makes me embrace the stuff that does work and that's brilliant, like a WKRP or Barney Miller or whatever, even more that – that the writing was so good on those shows and the timing and everything, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When things work, it, it's wonderful, but yeah, there's, there's so, yeah, there's so much uh, that's left 
by the wayside that we've forgotten and the memory cheats, you know? Um, yes, totally. Totally. Like, uh, you know, there's no denying Holmes and Yo-Yo is a classic. Of course. But is it as good as we remember? It's hard to say. I think it's exactly as good as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say. Those opening credits. Good Lord. That's like the Iliad and the Odyssey, the opening and closing credits of Holmes and Yo-Yo. The worst opening credits I can think of from the 70s, uh, like uh, Gemini Man, is, is, is like getting teeth pulled. Like they, they try to explain <laughs> the concept of the series in the opening credits. And it's like, OK, we get it. Well, uh, I always like the ones where they have the characters going. Are you trying to tell me that I have to live in an apartment with a penguin and a yeah. <laughs> rooster for the next six months if I'm going to inherit that money? That's what I said. I'm the judge. They give you that premise every week in the opening credits yeah. in case you forgot what the show was about last stupid. week. stupid. And yeah. <laughs> are you telling me all eight of these kids are mine? Yeah. They are now. Yeah. And then five more minutes of credits. Miller Milkus production. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that 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 I could go on for hours about. We should that. do a whole episode on, on credits. Best Horrible openings of television shows. Yeah, Best and worst. Just do a live credits. stream on YouTube and. That's why the ones. That's why the end credits for Police Squad are still one of the greatest things. Oh yeah, in yeah in the history of television that are just it's they're so sublime even they, like isn't it like booze and buddies um, and buddies yeah booze and buddies had like a 14 minute intro like the show's half over because yeah. they they just were so afraid of explaining that these guys were you know dressing up as ladies to get into the like you know well, um, but they also did it to the tune of my life by billy joel but it isn't billy joel the, it's, it's almost the entire. Alert. It's I know, but it's almost the entire song. Yes. It's like, what? Who was sitting in the in the network going, you know what the you know what this opening credit uh, synopsis thing needs is a pop song, and then someone else goes, Billy Joel, My Life. Yeah. Like you know, do, do what you want. It's my life. I'm gonna dress like a woman, and this is where I'm gonna live. And nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Okay, that's a good connection. Like I could never figure that out as a kid either. Like what? Because had you ever heard a pop song? used in an opening credit of a show like that um well they no i don't you're right i think that was pretty rare yeah. um the, the the next one i can think of is um uh get a life using rem stand oh which, yeah that was good that was a good that was a good use though that yeah. was fun yeah which they didn't i guess they kind of had to pull uh from syndication after I oh, I didn't know that. that. Yeah, somebody told me that that like when they played it in syndication, which it it didn't really get a lot of syndication. Um, was Michael it, Stipe just Michael Stipe just sitting on his couch one night at like two in the morning and went, "Hey, what's, what's I just don't think I just don't think the show paid for that." Past, oh, you know, really? Okay. Well, you know, you've you've heard the famous story about the needle drops and WKRP, right? Like, yes. Yeah. So I think it was like one of those situations where nobody thought that that was going to um, that was going to get uh, uh, syndicated because it only had up, two uh, seasons. That held up that DVD set forever. And then oh I yeah. Think, I think the set that that I have even still has 
a few tweaks that couldn't make it into the yeah that they had to, they couldn't get cleared for the show. I mean to, to put on a DVD. I'm just going through this list, and here's one that I actually enjoyed, but it didn't last long. Was the U.S. remake of Men Behaving Badly, um, which was just called Men Behaving Badly. It was a uh, Rob, Rob Schneider and Ron Eldred vehicle with uh, Justine Bateman, and the first season was actually a lot of fun. What ruined that show, it got to a second season, was that apparently um, Bateman and Eldard were so bad on the set that they were both fired. So the second season, they uh, yeah, brought in they brought in Ken Marino from the state and tried to recreate it, and it was canceled within like six weeks. Do you know what's weird about that? Do you know about the original? Yeah, I watched the original too. Yeah. But do you know that? that so you know Harry Enfield. Yeah, I, I like Harry Enfield. Yeah, he so he was in season one, right? And then they he he left or they got rid of him, and then they brought in uh, Paul Morrissey, right? Isn't that what oh, happened? Oh, okay. I don't. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know the history of the show. Oh yeah, Harry Enfield and Martin Clunes were the two the two leads for Men Behaving Badly in the UK, and then um, it either wasn't working with him or he decided to leave or they wanted him to leave. I forget. Enfield goes, and then series two, Paul Morrissey comes in. And uh, then it beca- then it becomes this huge hit, and it's him and Martin Clunes, who, ironically, Martin Clunes played Reginald Perrin in the most recent remake called Reggie Perrin. No, oh, I didn't know that they remade that. Yeah, uh, Harry Enfield was on a great program called Harry and Paul. That's very funny. Yes. And probably you couldn't get away like Little Britain. You couldn't get away with that stuff now. No. Um, no. 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 But it is. Did you ever, pretty... did you do you remember Harry Enfield and Chums? Do you remember that original show? No, I don't know that one. So you remember the Fast Show, right? Yes, I remember the Fast Show. Yeah. So so Paul Whitehouse and um, Charlie Higson were writers on the Harry Enfield Harry Enfield and Chums, and they kept coming to him with and they'd be on camera too. They kept coming to him with these different characters, and he's like, "No, it's not funny. It's not good enough." And then they go off and you know put a, a demo together for the the Fast Show with these goofy characters, and it becomes this huge hit. So Harry and Paul Harry gave them one of their first breaks on on the Enfield Show. Um, but Paul Whitehouse used to do a, a bit on the Hanfield and Chums where he was Michael Caine looking out a window and he turned to the camera and go, hello, my name is Michael Payne and I am a nosy neighbor. And he do this <laughs> whole thing. Of, and all he did all day was stand and watch the neighbors, you know, like she claims to be a vegetarian. But I know because I saw her at the butchers and she bought a pound of sausages. You know, she's a liar, whatever. And then back to the window. And they just kept cutting to these 30 second bits throughout the, the series. That those are up on YouTube somewhere, like Michael Payne, the nosy neighbor, and it's the perfect, it's the most perfect Michael Caine impression ever done by uh, Paul Whitehouse. Oh, I'd have to check that out. What about um, Spaced? I know that Spaced got remade in America. I never saw it. I don't know if it ever, if anybody's ever seen it, but didn't it get, didn't it get a pilot at one point? Did they it, try to make an American version? They did do an American version. I have never seen it. Um, uh, just one second. I'm just closing a window here. Um, let me try and see if there was actually any casting on that. Because that's another show that it could have worked. Uh, oh, and, and uh, along those lines, there's another one, Red Dwarf. Didn't they try to do an American Red Dwarf? Well, yeah, I, was, I wanted to get to that one. Oh, sorry. Um, Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah, there is an American pilot, but there's n- almost no information on space. Wait a minute, here we go. Uh, yeah, no, it it um, 
Edgar Wright didn't like it. Um, that's all I know about it. Mike can't it's actually it. have guns, you know. Um, they would take out all the drugs and swearing. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Um, again, again, not a show you, not a show you would think you would put on network television anywhere in America. You'd go yeah. get it up the dial somewhere, but you can't, you can't do what that made that show so great, you know. And the cast too. The cast of that show is so, such perfection. Like I, you, you know. But it, but again, isn't it funny that we're coming at this as people that are familiar with these things? We're the weirdos because we know about some of these things that we grew up with or we're aware of finding these things when they hit somehow. Um, do you think some of these things, I mean, playing devil's advocate, do you ever think some of these things don't work because, like, why why didn't Life on Mars work? If, if you assume that the bulk of the audience that's watching it doesn't know anything about the original. You know, even though it eventually ran on like BBC America sort of thing. Um, do you think there's something to that, too, that it doesn't it doesn't work? We we know we know both products. We know the original product. We know the, the remake and we can say why we think it doesn't work. But do you think there's something more to it that the recipe gets ruined and then doesn't find an audience anyway? Because, you know, for people that have never seen it before anyway. Um, It's a good question. Uh, I would have to say that. um. The first thing is that, you know, Life on Mars wanted to do a full 26 episode season and you're dealing with something that's finite. It has like, what, 12 episodes. Yeah. And um, it's also one of those things uh, like where you you're building a mystery. Yeah. And you you can do this paint yourself in a corner bullshit where. You know, you built just too much mystery. And I remember watching Lost with my wife and going like, this is never going to satisfy you. Right. Like they're just building so much mystery. I don't believe they have an ending. And um, I don't, you know, I'm not going to do schadenfreude or say I was right. But, you know. Um, no, you can you can feel it when, when you when you get to a show that you dig, you can kind of feel when you go, I think this thing knows what it's doing. Like they have a, they have a plan. Yeah. And there is a there is a difference, and I think I think Life on Mars is one of those things that they they had about seventy five percent of their plan, and then started to kind of go <clears throat> go somewhere else when it started to wrap up. But they wanted it to go longer. And the, the one that I one of the shows I love uh, that's a recent show uh, was called Lodge Forty Nine, and it was on um, uh, AMC here. Uh, I think it was AMC or TMC or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, it's now up on Hulu. You can watch all you know both seasons um but it was that kind of show that had these little mysteries in it and the strangeness and you know what does that mean and that's you know these different things happening and they had it all laid out they knew this was going to be like a four season thing and each season was going to be slightly built around one of the elements you know fire water etc um but you can kind of tell when a show is just like you're kind of making this up as you go aren't you yeah and i think you know it's it's titillating but yeah, and and Life on Mars had a really interesting ending, and uh, it's open for interpretation. But it's like, you know, remaking The Prisoner. Um, you, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't. Unless... And and, uh, and I'd also I'd also give them this though, the ending they did do was it was audacious. I think uh, the American one. Yeah. Also, completely different, completely different, really from. Yeah. 
where the show where the show goes with Sam in the UK. Yeah. And certainly certainly where it where it ends up um, in Ashes to Ashes with the characters in Ashes to Ashes. Yep. Um, no, it's so, completely you know, different. And and I, I respect its ending. I you know, yeah. I think a lot of people felt let down, but I was like, hey, it's an ending. You know, they they ended the show and that's yeah. great. Yeah, um, most shows don't get to, yeah. One of your favorites, the thick of it, is basically um we got turned into Veep. It did. It's a yeah. great I'm glad you brought that up because that's nobody ever talks about that, but that's that's kind of what happened. Like it's yeah. You know, and again, that's a show that uh, the thick of it is like it's it's Malcolm Tucker. It's everybody in that show, and it's yeah. every every scenario, every episode. But the draw, the engine of that show, is Malcolm Tucker. I mean, he's yeah. he's it's so larger than life. And there so, is no there is no Malcolm Tucker in the U.S. version, really. No. But Veep, no. but Veep does the right thing, and that is that it gets a voice an American voice for it. And, that's right. um, that's right. I, I think it's, I think it stands as equally as good to be honest with you. I um, do too. I, I will say that I think, I, and I, I adored Veep. I feel like yeah. the last season or two, it kind of started to lose its way in the sense of, um, it's, it's meanness. It was always a mean show. These are not nice people doing yeah. nice things, but it sort of got to a point in the last season or two that was just, especially the very last season was so dark yeah. that it, um, I feel like it, it almost crossed a lot, not like an offensive line, but just, it, it kind of crossed the line because if you, if you watch the UK one, you know, Malcolm has these moments of tenderness. He has these sort of, come on, it's all an act. Let's just sit down and have dinner and let's, come on, tell me about your, where did you go to school? Da, 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 you know, um, there's none of that in Veep. I mean, there's no, there's no intimacy or hugging whatsoever in, in, in Veep. Um, but that, that's a great, that's a great one to bring up because I think that's, somebody said, you can't really do thick of it. We just, it's not going to work. Let's, let's, you know, and what a great way to change the narrative too. To have, you know, her character, best thing, they pro- they put her in so many things, and she's so wonderful, Julia Louise Dreyfus. Um, yeah. But who'd have thought she's she amazing did... in that? Oh my God, who'd have thought she would have two characters in her career that are such huge, uh, you know, signposts? Like they're such massive characters. Um, she's and she's incredible. Terrible human beings. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah. But that's a great example. Yeah. So let's get let's let's get to the one we been dancing around and that is red dwarf okay um it did have uh two pilots and both of them are awful um the first thing i want to say is that no offense to actor craig birko uh who's a good actor but he is not uh dave lister right um the the first thing is he's white (laughs) <laughs> and the second thing is he's super handsome. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's yeah. a good looking guy. And that's the yep. first. It's the Joel McHale thing. Once again. Uh, yep. The second thing is they brought over one UK cast member and it's Robert Llewellyn as Crichton. Um, probably not the best member of the cast to bring over, but a good member of the cast. Um the one good thing about the show is the casting of Holly as Jane leaves. Mm-hmm. Who's that's, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Uh, the rest of it. Uh, I can't remember the guy who plays rumor. 
and I can't remember the guy who plays Cat in the first pilot. Or is it, is it a guy in the first pilot? Oh, God. I hadn't uh, even thought of Bierko until you said the name. Like, I totally yeah. forgot he was in that. Yeah, he's... he's I was dating, dating someone who's... Uh, I was dating someone whose dad's girlfriend managed him and he had, oh, yeah. and he had, he had, uh, at that time he was in the long kiss goodnight and they were trying to make him the next, you know, Ben Affleck or something, I think sort of. Um, and then, you know, around that same time I read his name somewhere in this remake because the, the, the remake was what early nineties, mid nineties, early nineties, like 92. Yeah. 92. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first cat was a dude. And then they redid the pilot. I guess they, they decided to retool the pilot. And um, <laughs> it's Terry Farrell is now Cat. Oh, Terry Farrell. Oh, yeah. Oh, no kidding. Um, and they recast the Rimmer. And yeah, everybody's white in that version. And um, yeah, it was... They did try to get Chris Berry to play Rimmer in the second pilot, and he said no. Um, yeah, it just it just didn't go anywhere. And and I've always gotten the feeling from the creators that they didn't care uh, that it didn't get picked up. Like they they just um, they were not happy about any of it. And that seems, uh, that seems to be the vibe for most of them. I mean, Gervais might be the exception, and maybe that's part of the, one of the reasons that it kind of worked was you know trying to kind of help with with things but yeah the the general consensus from creators seems to be you know good you know edgar wright the red dwarf guys cleese they're all kind of like just leave it alone just come yeah. up with another show and just kind of leave it alone but along, along those lines there there is one show that i there was a time there where everybody talked about it and uh you know in fandom and everything and in the back of my head i also kind of thought someone's going to do something um, and that I never quite understood why nobody took the push was um, a U.S. version of Doctor Who. Yeah. That huh. there would have been in those doldrums. And then you end up getting the TV movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was the I never t- fully understood why. It's not like that was a, a two hundred million dollar motion picture that only made ten million dollars. It was a TV movie. It didn't it didn't yeah. cost a ton of money. And it was a property that the BBC or whatever. I just never understood why they didn't just go, let's just do a weekly, you know, let's do another TV movie and then just do a, a weekly series. We'll shoot it in Vancouver or whatever. And, you know, I mean, this is all a good thing that it didn't that it didn't happen. But I always thought we would see that pop its head. You know, I remember being so happened. excited about that when it came out and thinking it was awesome. But at the same point, you know, we were so deprived for Doctor Who. Yeah. At yeah. the time, like you've got to like. I watch it now, and there's some there's some wonderful stuff in there. Um, I, I think McGann is the major takeaway. He was great. Oh, cast. Um, hands, hands down, he could have been, he could have been, he could have been performing in a, a script that was, you know, yeah, half, you know, less as good as as what the, the final thing was even. And the final thing is not like it's great, but he he still would have been the takeaway he, he and i always I, I really loved the church looking tardis and and yeah other things like that but to be honest with you it's not great um it you know it's not a great pilot to be perfectly honest with you no. and and you know i can forgive things like making the doctor half human because worse things have happened to the canon since then but uh, you know it, it it is it isn't bad it isn't like i think it's an abomination i quite like it but um yeah it, it 
<sighs> what do you say? But you, but you, you were probably like me when that thing hit. You sat there going, "I hope this is cool. I hope this work. I hope they get it." And yeah. I, I kind of was ready for it to be just uh, a terrible American, you yeah. know, misfire, you know, or you know, or, or remake or something kind of a misfire. Um, and the fact that McCoy was there. And I thought, oh, well, somebody. Yeah, to there, there, that. that's the kind of stuff that was um, great. You know, yeah. And then and then as soon as McGann shows up, because, of course, I, you know, I was I'm a big Withnell and I fan. Like I've been following him since then. And so for him to get, you know, to get cast was like, oh, yeah. And um, when as soon as he shows up, you just go, holy shit, he's really he's really into this. Like he's really doing it. And. Sadly, he, you know, he's, he's, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a 90 minute thing, he's only in, you know, 60 minutes of it or whatever it is, uh, you know, but he's, it's all there. He's doing his best to launch this thing as a vehicle. And that is, that is the takeaway. You're absolutely right. I don't, and in fact, if, I don't remember anything, much else the, about it. The biggest takeaway I think was on Russell T Davies because he looked at it and went, you don't do a regeneration in the first episode. Right. And you just introduced the doctor, and right. he was absolutely right. And, but isn't that um, isn't that funny that that's that's now how also how our brains kind of work now that you could do a show now, bring something back, and not have to you could let a show go for three or four episodes with a new face, and and you know episode two somebody goes hey whatever happened to uh, are we going to talk about Brian or what like uh, later you'll find out when you you know and you could you could play it backwards throughout the season of yeah. where that character went. And you could get, you could get away with it. Back then, the linear thinking was, well, we have to. There's fans out there. We have to logically get them from A to B. And yeah. you know, as the, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. It just it was that that was how how nervous. Have you ever have you ever seen the on the DVD one of the DVDs they go into the making of for that? It's like a 90 minute. I think I've seen it. I just don't remember it. It's it's just like you're just going. The number of people that are, you know, the number of times it was tried, the number. Oh, of I read a, involved. I read an entire book about that. Um, there is a fantastic book out there about all the different attempts to make a movie, and you know, starting with Doctor Who meets Scratchman, and and all that stuff. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's fascinating how many how much rigmarole that went through. It's amazing. <laughs> and the Nelvana. There was the Nelvana one, right? The the yeah, the cartoon. The, yeah, yeah. The cartoon? I have animation cell for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that was, I found that in a, my friend, I guess some animator wanted to buy some toys or something and dropped off a huge box of cells and I went through it and I found that Dr. Who one and my friend sold it to me for like 10 bucks. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, I have that but hanging would, in my hallway. Wouldn't you say, wouldn't you say that the majority of stuff that has gotten remade that has worked uh, for the most part, has been comedic. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, um, I would. I mean, I think the the stuff that really works is the reality stuff. But oh, yeah, um, yeah, that's but, been the but, biggest. Um, yeah, I mean, the comedic stuff is hit or miss, but I think it is the most successful. I mean, you have stuff. Um, gosh, I'm just trying to think what would be a successful british drama that was brought over here and i'm sure there is stuff and i'm just not thinking of it but um you know i was mainly focusing on sitcoms because i love sitcoms um one another one i wanted to talk about that was a complete disaster and i would love to i would pay 10 bucks to see it is they tried to remake the young ones oh Uh, yeah 
we'll call it, and they called it oh no not them mtv was playing the young ones and it was a hit so they they tried to remake it they hired niall planner nigel planner so again bringing one cast member over to try and you know oh, sell wow. this thing and I've never seen it. I think the opening credits are available somewhere. Okay. But um, because I've seen those opening credits, but um, I guess Nigel Planner like just wanted to leave while filming. (laughs) You know, like yeah. There's just there's a 19 second clip of the um of the credits. That is it, and that is bizarre. Um, somebody but, must have snuck that out somewhere. But there's another failed pilot that I think you and I should watch and talk about in the next episode, and that is, Are You Being Served? Got uh, a pilot in the U.S. called Beans of Boston, and it has um, Boston. It has a great cast. It has John Hillerman as Mr. Peacock, um, Tom Poston as Mr. Beam. Charlotte Ray, Mrs. Garrett as Mrs. Slocum. Uh, oh, yes. A pussy. Yes. I'm sure that got just completely written out of it. <laughs> I know. How do you do that show without Mrs. Slocum it's talking about her cat? Just all innuendo. <laughs> um, like did you ever see? Do you remember? Do you remember what was the what was the one they did after the young ones? Was it Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, or was it? Yeah, it was Filthy Rich. They did one season of a show called Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. And Rick Mayo plays this, you know, he was like a child actor or something. And he's got this horrible agent and he books him on some some game show that's called Ooh, Er, Sounds a Bit Rude. <laughs> it's the name of the game show. <laughs> and there's a there's a Mrs. Slocum ripoff in front. And she's always going, oh, I don't know what's whatever tonight, but I know that my pussy's cold. Or something, you know? oh, yeah. And he just keeps going, oh, shut up with those lines. Like he's always... Like on her, he's always trying to hog the camera. But they, 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 that was their, you know, again, their subversive, like, enough of these shows. This is not our comedy. Oh, you know? yeah. But it's, it, the, the game show is called Ooh, uh, Sounds a Bit Rude. <laughs> it's, the <name> of, <laughs> it's the name of the game show. <laughs> I'd love to see. Be- so, what year was Beans of Boston? Late 70s? 1979. Jeez. How could you miss with that cast? Yeah, well, you, you can because you're you're draining the show of what makes it popular in the first place. Um, and what was the Beans of Boston referring to? Like a, 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 a store? store? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Wow. What was? Let me ask you this then. What is it? What is a show that you think never really got touched or or even discussed that you think would be would make a good like a good U.S. remake? Or or Canadian uh, or whatever, like you know, a UK oh, show. Like what well, a UK show could be remade. Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, you know, there's there's a lot to be mined. Let me just think. Uh, Didn't expect uh, that one, did you? No, um, and I had one, and then it just floated away. And don't say the tripods, because that's mine. <laughs> I wasn't going to say the tripods. <laughs> um, Saxondale. Oh, that would be Saxondale. fun. Oh, I think I think fun. Saxondale would be a perfect American. Totally. Because you just need to get like, like I think Saxondale's been remade a lot with um, what was that eastbound and down kind of humor. Um, 
but I think that would translate really, really well. But here's the fun, here, here's the fun thing about Saxondale is Coogan, Coogan's pretty good about that too. If you look at his the bulk of his stuff, he he you know the 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 scatological stuff and like the really crude it's it's very slight. Like you know the yeah. overall body of work, he doesn't tend to go there. So that's the thing that you could I could see that happening on you could take an American. Uh, a guy, because you know Coogan's playing older than he is in that show. Yeah, he's taking American and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Get get an American guy who's like looks like he's you know he's got a you know he'd been on the road with these bands or whatever, and it's it's just the it could be because it, it has a, it has some poignancy to it at times that that show. I could yeah. see that working without having to tweak it much because yeah, it's it, not. It would translate. It would translate well, and it's not particularly blue that you'd have to worry about it being on you know fox or whatever like what you could get away with like you could that could be that would be it that's a great, it'd be a great vehicle for a working class guy kind of show um yeah you know the guy the who's the who's the character guy that's in oh he's in everything and he he was actually in uh do you remember the do you remember the episode is he's called boone something boone or boone something he was do you remember the mandalorian episode when they got the the ragtag team together to do the prison break. Oh, you, but I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, that guy, you get a guy like that, give him that. Part. Bill McBur, Bill Burr. No, no, not, not Bill Burr. The guy who gets them the job. The guy who's like, Hey Mando, it's good to see you. It's been a long time. He's like a big dude with a lot of hair and a big beard. He's kind of heavy set. Oh, that dude. Yeah. That he, dude's from uh, sons of anarchy. And he's um, just been in, he was in memento you know, he shows up in all. He's, he's in Batman guy. Begins. I just saw him the other he's night. He's in Batman. Batman Be- Be- yes, it's something. Boone. The something. swear to me guy. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. You get a guy like him, or a look like that, that suddenly you give him an actual vehicle where he's the lead. There's some real comedy there. Like that. That would be a juicy, juicy remake that I think would be easy to do. You know, it's such a great <laughs> <Juicy> show. Remakes. <laughs> juicy remakes next on Showtime <laughs> after dark. <laughs> that that would be that would be Followed a good one. by moist performances <laughs> tomorrow morning dry yourself off at eight yeah. <laughs> um that would be that would be a good show i could totally see that okay yeah. what's yours i don't have one that's the sad thing i asked oh. the question i asked the question without actually having one in mind Frickin um oh, boy let's see um comedy i see all the comedy stuff that i that i've dug throughout the years has been pretty specific do you know what i mean like when i if i lay out end to end from you know from you know the python stuff and what came before all the way up to you know spaced you know uh it crowd and so on like there's a it's distinctive do you know what i mean like nothing against like traditional kind of you know sitcoms over there there are there are certainly are good ones but um there's there's one that's there's i'll give you an example of one that um did you ever see misfits did you ever watch any of misfits oh yeah Maybe. yeah yeah do you remember the guy called joseph gilgan tall no. super tall skinny northern uh guys great actor he's in all the uh shane meadows you know this is england uh flicks and tv things um he shows up in like season three he's the he's the one who, ha- who he's the one who like has a double that's like the darker side of himself that comes out of him sometimes. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, it's, it's been a long time. Since he I did saw. a show uh, in the BBC call or ITV called Brassic. Uh, and both seasons are up on Hulu. And it's like, you know, 
six and six on both these seasons. And the writing is just, it's almost like, a, it's almost, you know, to, if you had to pitch it to, you know, easily, it's like lock stock, you know, in this little town of these misfits that are all kind of, you know, committing crimes and doing things and it's rapid fire and it's great, you know, but it's distinctive. It's hard to kind of explain it to people what this, this thing is. So, so it's, it's hard to think of stuff that translates. That's part of the problem with how close we are to so much of this stuff is that we know it works because it's so different because it's so strange yeah. but didn't they also do okay this is where i always get confused do you remember um not the nine o'clock news yeah they, they they remade that in the u.s not necessarily the news that's and well, okay that worked go. well too because they just found american comedians to take the concept and make it their own that's right Danny uh, green who i worked with who was a who was a delightful guy uh rich hall i think was in it rich hall maybe. Yeah, yeah, who the, who weirdly went off to England and became a big star. Yes, he's still. I think he's still over there. He is, and he does documentaries, weird documentaries. But I I love Rich Hall, and yeah, um, he's great, funny as hell. Yeah, funny as hell, and it was like I always wondered what happened to him. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, he's doing just fine. Um, he didn't he didn't look across the pond. He was over there. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he did a he did a season on Saturday Night Live that was. He was one of the more memorable uh, cast members. I don't know if I even remember that. Yeah, he was, I think, in the 83 season or something like that. But Oh, well, that's a yeah, good one. Was... Like they, did, they did a remake. Did, they, obviously, that was the one that, that worked really well. It was the remake of, um, oh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, another it's, one. That... It's called, you know, the, you know, you quote, call it a game show. It's not really a game show. It's just people doing improvisation. But the format was identical to the to the UK one, essentially. And you just go, oh, that you can't if you get the right people, you can't lose like that's Well, they got a lot of the same people, too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that that show was doing well on like Comedy Central. And then I think uh, Drew Carey, because he was working with Ryan Styles. Uh, made it an ABC show for a while, and but the both only those thing. Guys, uh, Mockery and Styles, they're they're both Canada, right? Both those guys. Uh, yeah, but I know Colin Mockery is. I didn't know if Ryan Styles is Canadian or not. Oh, I um, he was. Yeah, I, now I gotta know. Uh, <laughs> um, I I didn't. I, I never knew. Uh, no, oh uh, yeah, he is Canadian. He's, oh no, he's born in Seattle. Comedy powerhouses from Canada once again. Oh, he, you know, he's, he's, his parents are Canadian. Well, um, close. Yeah, close yeah. enough. Close enough. Uh, I'll yeah, give him I a pass. I can't think of, I, I'm, now that now that you asked me that, I don't know if I can think of something that would, um, you know, um, I I would say, okay, here, here's one that, that could work, but it's, it wouldn't work because it's it's really down to these scripts and how much I love this this show. Um, inside number nine. Inside oh, yeah, number nine, yeah. It's an anthology show, so every every episode is different. But the the through line is each one takes place. Each episode takes place in one location. If the, if if the number nine is the house that the camera pushes up and you go inside the house, you never leave the inside of the house. If it's this person's apartment, you never leave inside the apartment. Um, and you you don't even realize until the you know you you watch three of them. You go, oh yeah. It's inside number. It's inside the box, or it's inside the the train car, or it's inside the cabin, or whatever. Um, and there's a show that's on. Um, did you ever see a show called the the guest list? Not the guest list. The guest book. No. 
Okay. Well, anyway, that's up on Hulu now too, but it was like a, a comedic anthology type thing. Everybody rents this cabin and they all write their adventures in the cabin book and each one is different. It's very raunchy and stuff, but um, that's something that I think would translate well, but you'd have to, you'd have to go off network to be as distinctive as, as it is to come up with stories and stuff. Again, not foolproof. I don't know. Have you seen any of the new Twilight Zone? No, I, I watched a little bit of it. I didn't like it. Um, yes. Just like, can't t- I can't think of something I've looked more forward to because of the people yeah. involved that I thought, this cannot lose. Yeah, I this, was the same way. This is a can't-lose situation. And I've watched every one of them. And just, wow. So, you know, let that be a warning to all of you out Swing there. Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Yeah. Any 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 U.S. shows you want to you want to get started in Canada? <laughs> um, the only ones I'd like to host. <laughs> All right, well we'll make some calls. I'll do get Toy Hunter going. here. I can be Canadian Toy Hunter. You you do have a knack though. Every time you post something, I'm like, where is he finding these places that he find these strange grails around every corner? You know, it, you seem to have a nose for finding these strange things that are still out in the wild. In, uh, I, in I'm, a, I'm a magnet for that stuff. Um, I'll say. Yeah, I enjoy You are it. the magnet and they are the steel. They're steel. I go to a lot of flea markets and antique malls. A lot less now. But, um, yeah. you know, because I, you know, this hasn't been a great year for that. But, um Hope springs eternal for the future. Um, so we're gonna say and, uh, your 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 favorite remake of all time would be, or what, the most successful you thought worked was what was it? Um, I, I, I'm very fond of Open All Night, even though it was a failure. Open um, All Night, okay. Yeah, that is one of my favorite British remakes. What about you? I'm gonna go with the second Red Dwarf pilot. <laughs> No, I haven't seen either of them. I don't know. I can't. I can't really think of anything that's significantly. Um, well, here's what. Here's what's strange about this. The, and and just so we're clear, one more disclaimer for before we wrap this up. Um, I'm not above just because I love something so much. I'm not above recognizing worth in a different version of it or a remake of it. I well, could happily say that the remake of The Manchurian Candidate that Jonathan Demme did with Denzel Washington and Jeffrey Wright, et cetera, is a worthy uh, remake to that subject matter and tried to do something a little different with it. And as remakes go, you know, but, you know, there's only handfuls of those that are out there that, that work, but it, it there's a better chance of it working as a concept, as a film, than it seems to be as a TV series when you talk about remakes. Yeah. You know, Hollywood's littered with you know, movie remakes, um, the TV stuff, something about it. I don't know. You know, I, I just sometimes think it just doesn't work. Like they, they tried to remake porridge, a British television series about a guy is another Ronnie Barker show that's in prison, but the UK has a different attitude towards criminals, um, than America, right. you know, and it just, it just doesn't kind of work in the same regard. And, you know, that's that's an important cultural um, thing there, I think, is that some of these shows, they don't translate well because it's it is a different culture. Believe it or not, we speak the same language, but we have different idealisms. And um, yep, two uh, two two countries separated by a common language. That's right. 
Utopia. That's the name of the show. Utopia. Yeah. That's the UK show. I meant to tell you, but I didn't want yeah. to interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It just came into my head. Apologize. Anywho, I also, uh, I also smell. I also smell toast. Is that weird? Do you, it's doctor? I smell burnt toast. That's not I a good. I smell burnt plan. toast, and I just thought of yeah. Utopia. So probably time to get off the phone. Yeah, <laughs> it's time to watch Beans of Boston. And uh, <laughs> well, I'd call that another record-shattering episode right there. Great success. I don't know how All we right. do it. I don't know how we do it either. We are yeah. awesome. Great job. Okay, Good job, everybody. Well, that's us for um, this week. Uh, let us know what you think in the comments, or perhaps visit us in our Facebook group, Pod Stallions. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Take care. Don't remake our show. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to actually have a British remake of us. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. What we'll call.